0: Organizations that he was involved in to involve women, put women on the boards. And then something that I found the most powerful is, um, you know, he was choosing to spend time around women later in life that have since gone on to really do some incredible things. Um, Pat Field-Ravazio has a whole website. Um, she was just a young reporter and kind of accidentally, um, you know, kind of made the call. I was like, maybe he'll let me talk to him. And not only that, <laughs> they got to spend like several days together mm-hmm. and of course with this like intensity. And she really has infused that into a lot of her work and is really passionate about climate change and how, you know, we need to inspire people, young people, with uh, Buckminster Fuller's vision, uh, and you know how his work is more important now than ever. And then there's also Amy Edmondson, who he um, mentored, and she is at Harvard, um, actually oddly in the business school, um, even though she had to start explaining Bucky's math, uh, and had worked with him for a while, and she can be credited for the newly um, the newly installed professorship. At Harvard University. So
1: that's a lot. Uh, yeah. re- cycling back, because I didn't hit the record button until um, just after uh, you'd made a mention of the publication and the name of the article.
0: Okay, Why Women Will Rule the World. And I believe that it was in Women's Day, Bucky writing to his audience there. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know just making the case that you know women are going are solutionaries women are the the you know visionaries that we need
1: um, for the future solutionary that's a phenomenal word. isn't it isn't it that's
0: when you said it's hard to describe Bucky I think that is exactly how I like to describe him I like to describe him as well I'd like to I like to describe him as a embodied philosopher
2: mm-hmm.
0: um Of course everybody says, architect, engineer, um, mathematician, um, you know, all kinds of things. But embodied philosopher and solutionary, I think, fit the bill perfectly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, And I think uh, that this particular podcast is going to fit the bill perfectly uh, just as well. Episode, oh, no. It says 64 in the corner. I was afraid of this. I was afraid that this was gonna happen at some point that I was gonna hit that. Uh, you know what? we're just we're just gonna take a moment on this podcast. I'm gonna flip back uh, to Elizabeth. I'm gonna fix this. Okay, what's time. it supposed to be? sixty three? do what? Uh, you're you're sixty five. You're okay. sixty five. All right. Um, so it, it, anywho. WTF Carbondale Podcast, the podcast where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives, tie it all back to this little place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. Episode 65, which will be reflected here shortly. Um, Elizabeth Donahue, a uh, part of the Buckminster Fuller uh, series that uh, I happen to just kind of fall into. Uh, bumped into Judy Ashby a couple of weeks ago. We got to talking about just what could you know what's something we could do for the for the Bucky Dome. Uh, you know, just as mm-hmm. as things are kind of opening back up, and uh, mm-hmm. as John Davies said on the previous episode, they're they're starting to give tours uh, again, and and uh, yeah. Anyway, so connected yeah. with Elizabeth, and she is.
0: Yeah, I think for Carbondale in general, um, obviously we have that amazing artifact that is the dome mm-hmm. uh, home, and that is um, was really my doorway into discovering Bucky, uh, and that's a whole that's a whole story that we could could go into, uh, but it's so, the legacy and the potential and the uniqueness, um, really is a relationship between SIU Carbondale and the whole region, uh, so. It,
1: it makes us unique. So, you said that your kind of introduction into this was the radio show? It was, well,
0: yes. Uh, okay, so here's the story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're looking for. <laughs> um, so, I was, we have this in common, uh, comm studies um, alumni here. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Uh, and <laughs> I was um, in graduate school, I was studying environmental rhetoric, environmental messaging. Uh, And I was, came across and was looking at this uh, concept of the um, apocalyptic narrative. Now, I I happened to find Buckminster Fuller, through studying the apocalyptic narrative, I'd come across this idea of utopia or oblivion. Mm -hmm. And of course, well, that is kind of, (laughs) that that can explain the apocalyptic narrative for you rather simply. Yeah. But what I was really surprised at is um, beyond this, okay, you have a Utopia or Oblivion, he really, like a lot of other environmental appeals, um, he really held out solutions and was ultimately immensely, um, I want to say, like catching on, uh, he was uh, positive. You know, he knew that solutions were possible and um, you know, spent the better part of his life uh, searching for them and talking about them. Now here's the thing, so I was at SIU um, doing graduate study and studying this thing. I actually lived on Forest Street, oh. um, the block before the, the Dome home. I, and I also got my undergrad from SIU mm. and left and came back and it wasn't until through researching the apocalyptic narrative for graduate study that I came across Buckminster Fuller's name. And then I found out, wow, he was at SIU. And then I found out, because at that time, um, that was in the late aughts. I swore I was the person that would never say aughts, but there I am. Here we are. Yes. And uh, that was, you know, at that time. And I just was shocked that I had never heard this story. And I rode past that the Dome home, every day, and at that time, it was um, covered in plastic, so I didn't Mm -hmm. know, you know, exactly what to make of it. It didn't have signage. Um, Again, I had no idea what it was, and so as I started looking into it and finding out about the history, um, I have been doing a radio show for over a decade. It's called Greenhouse Rebellion on WDBX, local, global, personal, political, Uh, and I decided that I would reach out and interview somebody associated with the dome home Um, at that time as well there was a letter I think it was in the DE uh, somebody had written that lived in the Arbor district and they were frustrated about the plastic like basically saying what's What's happening here, yeah. right? Like, why is this covered in plastic? It's kind of it's it's bringing us down a little bit for this to be going on for a while, and I kind of thought, well, let's let's find out. And so um, I had reached out, and at that time it was Cornelius Crane. Um, he was the outgoing president of the the Dome Home. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in and we did he did an interview. He was he actually used to do a show. Um, on WDBX I forget the, the title of it but he was just on fire about it right just yeah. like wow I didn't know these things it just with Fuller it's this interesting thing that happens um, that I've seen it happened to me and then I've since seen it happening to other people where you know you kind of dip your toe in and then before you know it just all these coincidences are happening and then it's just it It's very expansive.
1: Carbondale is like a one big coincidence. It
0: really. That's the feeling. It really is. And, um, you know, it has fuller more than anything has made me just question coincidence and um, purpose Mm -hmm. and kind of in the larger part of the legacy with everything that we have going on in the world now. And this being Carbondale. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, I, you know, reached out. I found out he was the out- he was not he was the outgoing president, and mm-hmm. so then I reached out to um, the board. I was told, you know, well, you should come to a meeting, a board meeting, and uh, you know ask what's going on?" My mm-hmm. question really was, can we take the plastic off of the dome home? I-, I just thought like it was such a shame that you couldn't even take it off for like a little bit, you know, yeah. like a few dry days. Um, and I went to a board meeting asking that question and that there's a whole long story, but I had, um, before moving back to Carbondale, I had worked in the nonprofit sector for Mm -hmm. a theater company in the development um, arena and we had mounted a a successful capital campaign and uh, long story short, I ended up being like the first paid employee of the dome home. Oh, okay, that's very cool. Yes, uh, (laughs) and it was only for a little bit, uh, but, and there was, it, it was a very interesting time. Mm-hmm. But we um, mounted a capital campaign, and one of the first things that I did was um, take uh, all the information about the uh, Save America's Treasure grant, mm-hmm. and we revised it and resubmitted. And I think I, in the grand scheme of things, I know that I only have, like, I played this really small little part. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things, and this goes back again to studying communication, I think I was able to distill some of the narrative Mm -hmm. around the dome home. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, wrote, it's the only dome he ever lived in, the only home he ever owned. And I love that since that time, people have told me that. And Mm -hmm. that's when you, that is a feeling like I'm addicted to
1: that feeling, actually. When when your language (laughs) becomes part of the common vernacular.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And I'm aware
1: of that feeling. It's a very intense feeling when your own language gets back to you. It really
0: is. And of course, these are facts, but they weren't being put together in the same way, you know, that kind of thing. And I became... Um, really honestly, I became obsessed. Yeah. I think some of it was that I had been in the graduate study communication world, which is amazing, wonderful. I think it's one of the best majors that yeah. you can have for so many reasons, but it's a lot of talking. And um, all of a sudden, I was surrounded by people that had built things and were building things and doing things and yeah. like envisioning change on some level instead of, you know, talking theoretically. Mm -hmm. And I really, um, I became obsessed with it. I put it kind of at the center of my life and I, I, I hijacked almost every single conversation that I had for about two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to joke that I can relate anything to, Buc- you, you want to just like talk about diapers. I can get back to Bucky somehow. Do you know what I mean? Like, And so for about two years, I was on a mission to, um, you know, I felt like, I felt like at that time that we needed to m- make people believe us mm-hmm. that this was going to happen. And also I felt like I was, Carbondale's a weird relationship, you yeah. know, with, I have chosen, um, several times to stay in Carbondale and I needed hope. I needed to believe that there was some change and there was, um, some vision. And for me, Fuller had that. It was inspiring. It was an inspiring world. Um, I really have to thank Bill Perk who, uh, purchased the dome and made it into the nonprofit. And he, it was actually him that was um, the reason that I was able to be funded as development director for a while. Uh, And I think that there was a lot of good work that was done during that time. Um, It was obviously a relay race and time for me to move on to different things, but I learned a lot. And what I learned actually um, more than anything is as important as the dome home is, the vision, the work, especially related to Carbondale, is is so much bigger than just that artifact. Um, and that's, I think, what I've been trying to take on since leaving that, and now um, I work at the university. Uh, I'm uh, assistant director at the university honors program at SIU, mm-hmm. and we have um, started a Fuller-Saluki initiative in which we really relate because Fuller was a comprehensivist. Um, he liked looking at the big picture. Um, he was doing this before anybody was talking about interdisciplinary, the importance of being interdisciplinary mm-hmm. and, and that. And so uh, the Honors Program is really unique in the sense that it's a completely interdisciplinary program. It is undergraduate students from, you know, every program on campus, pretty much. And so it seemed to be a perfect place to kind of situate that narrative. And uh, we currently have the director of the honors program, Dr. Uh, Kapoor, Jyotsna Kapoor, is teaching a class um, called the Aesthetic Impulse Mm -hmm. uh, centered around Buckminster Fuller. That's going on right now. That was a summer one-month summer class, and then in the fall, uh, John Davy will come and he is teaching uh, the design theories of Buckminster Fuller. And so it's been real interesting. You know, I've been there for about three years now, and we've um, we've brought some people to town. Uh, we had the. Um, past president of the Buckminster Fuller Institute come, mm-hmm. uh, David McConville, that was amazing. Uh, he introduced us to Kurt Prisbilla, who uh, has been back since then, but, you know, held several workshops on campus. Uh, and so the work continues, I mean, and, and I'm really happy to um, to see where the Dome home is and to have a good relationship there that can, you know, make some... I think exciting things flourish. I mean, I have, I have ideas.
1: (laughs) It's what we need is ideas. Yes. (laughs) Like you, you have to, you just have to envision something. I was just watching the, um, uh, the, the healing Illinois, um, presentation that, uh, that Nancy Maxwell was, was putting on with essentially everybody, right? (laughs) Right. Like everybody that's anybody in, in like the, uh, you know, the, the, uh you know upstart activist community in in Carbondale and like there's vision there like holy yes. like yes. comprehensive that stretches through all different components Completely. of systems and institutions and like you know f- types of people and and it's just it's really really neat to see and just like be around it
0: yes <laughs> You know, and it's not any coincidence. I think that that has um, some of Fuller's ideas and legacy infused in it. Um, I know, yeah, the things that are going on there. Yeah. Um, But I I was reflecting on that, and I think that's one of the best, the things that when I was talking about this idea that, you know, I fell in love with Fuller and this whole, like, world, and especially related to Carbondale and how I needed to be hopeful about Mm -hmm. Carbondale, um... What attracted me, what continues to attract me is this eternal hopefulness that he had. And this also that there's nothing too outlandish. Mm-hmm. And to be quite frank, I think that's what Carbondale needs. Yeah. We need to be like dreamers right now. And like any idea is not too much.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, Bold as you can go is, I think, um, what is going to save us in the end help us
1: the 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 thing that gives a pathway to a, a a a pursuit of boldness is like when you have an opening right like we've got an opening like when things are down Right. When when there are when there are, you know, just like opportunities for people to like break into activity because like the traditional systems just aren't Mm -hmm. as strong as they once were. And it's like now because of that, more people simply have access because there are fewer gates to get through, uh, you know, to to achieve, you know, power and change and and action and outcomes. And yeah. Yeah. Um, No, that's.
0: Yeah, it all matches up. I completely agree with you. It's it makes me think of uh, news on Wednesday. Um I talked about this on the radio show, where big oil had three major blows, yeah. right? They um, Exxon stacked the board against them, their own shareholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shell Oil, the Dutch government, basically said, you've got to reduce, you know, just gave them a big blow. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting the third one now, but three of the hu- biggest oil companies having these huge things happen. And I think that obviously it's from activists doing work for mm-hmm. a long time, incrementally over a, you know, lot of time and space yeah. and energy and people's blood, sweat and tears going into that. But I also think the timing of that is um, perfect in the sense of the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, because we saw at least I did in a whole fresh way. The what you think is normal, and just has to like run as business as mm-hmm. usual, all of a sudden, hmm, it turns out it doesn't. Yeah, you know, that it can. And I really think um, especially with big oil losing all that money, you know, from the pandemic, that there was a moment there that was taken. And so I find that really interesting. But I completely am with you. I I feel like that with regards to Carbondale as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I feel really hopeful about is that uh, Buckminster Fuller, for a while I feel like the SIU was resisting embracing Fuller. Yeah and embracing that legacy. And now, I, th- I think they're gonna run with it. Yeah. You know you can find it on their webpage. And one of the things from the honors program, uh, we applied, they had um, for the um, anniversary um, that was in 2020, I believe, or 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, you know, um, an award that you could apply for to do something creative, or you know, that kind of celebrated the anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Honors Program uh, applied for that in order to do something with Bucky's Haven on campus. Um, you know, and our original vision was like nobody really knows the story on campus of that dome, right? Mm-hmm. That how it's connected to Fuller or anything. And so we were we um, applied for that grant, received it. And we're able to have a program in which we invited um, an artist. He's actually the, I think, director of the Fuller Dome in Edwardsville, mm-hmm. which is a really another important um, structure, but also really important connection. Uh, he does this amazing art, and he did an installation uh, in the uh, Bucky's Haven on campus, and we put a sign up on campus that has. Bucky's famous quote about uh, making the world work for humanity um, and for 100 percent of humanity uh, without ecological destruction um, and then you know also just giving some of that history and so that was that was really good and very well received by the university and I think um, there's more of that to come.
1: Do you have a bit of the background on Bucky's Haven? That's definitely one of the things that uh Uh, We didn't talk about yesterday with John David. I mean, again, there's only only so much time. And anything that I miss between your conversation and John's conversation, I feel like is dead. Like, I've got Bill scheduled for, like, an afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be important there. Maybe a few days. (laughs) Uh, But, no, I mean, just more on the story of of, of Bucky's Haven on campus.
0: Now, Bill probably might have some more history about that. Uh, Because I've looked and I don't have – What I do know is it was the same company that provided the dome home uh, did provided that structure as well. Um, The same, you know, company that was, I think, Ira Parrish. And so it had to be, I mean, there was, there were points where domes were all over campus. Mm -hmm. Um, If you see some aerial uh, shots, you know, from the 60s, you have, uh, domes in places, you know. I've I've spotted three or four um, that were in clusters on campus, really? and so I think that uh, as far as I remember, Bucky's Haven went up in the early '70s, mm-hmm. so like '72? Uh, and you know, just I I'm imagining that they just
1: thought it was a good thing to do. Yeah. Fuller's
0: here, you know, why not?
1: <laughs> well, the the one of the things you had talked about, and I, and I. Can you can you restate the gentleman's name who was the former director of the Buckminster Fuller Institute? Because you had him come speak. Yes. Was it two or three years ago? Because you, you that, was that the gentleman that I got to meet?
0: David McDonald. Yes, yes. it was. So Dave McDonald, uh, he was the former institute of the Buckminster, or the former director of the Buckminster Fuller Institute, and. Um, and I he is doing, he's involved in a really interesting project now called Spherical. Mm -hmm. Uh, His work is, it's very much like Fuller too, where it's kind of hard to define and explain, but he is dealing with, he's a solutionary and Mm -hmm. he is dealing with these like large concepts and really ways that we view and see the world Mm -hmm. uh, and um, effects on us. And so we've, uh, since that visit have really um, the honors program has developed a really positive relationship with him he's been a a virtual guest in several classes um and gosh it would be great to have him back you know and i think he felt a really special connection um to carbondale as well
1: well Uh, that 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 leads me into this logo that is over your left shoulder he um uh, he when i I talked to him about this brand specifically at the at the time and, and nice was talking about design and whatever else, he was like, Oh, you should incorporate carbon 60 into it, or you should make it carbon 60 nice. or whatever else. So, while it's not very legible from this, uh, you know, state, even like as I'm looking mm-hmm. at it close up on a computer screen, that little ball where Carbondale is to represent Carbondale on the WTF Carbondale Illinois structure, there is a carbon 60 molecule. I love it, <laughs> I love it, I love it. <laughs> And just uh, it was it, it was just a suggestion that stuck with me. And and so when it when it came time to to put uh, pen to paper, so to speak, I, that was it. So thank you for facilitating uh, that interaction that has yeah. had. <laughs> oh, that's
0: all coming back to me now. I think that you were. Um... You were running for office at that time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, you're like, when am I not running for <laughs> yeah, office? Yeah, that's no, kind of I'm joking. <laughs> Which is interesting, too. I came across something um, recently with Bucky saying um, he wanted a design revolution. He was going the route of a design revolution instead of a political revolution. Uh-huh. And, of course, he, I, he had one of my favorite quotes of, of, from him is, um, when you want to change something, don't focus on people. Focus instead on the systems that they use, yeah. so that makes the behavior that you want to change, you know, basically unnecessary. If you change that system, you can change the behavior without you know, telling them that they just have to change their behavior.
1: Well, and it's so interesting from an architectural standpoint, right? Because yeah. governments are essentially in the business of creating structures, right? So the the key participants in any sort of government function is that of the builder, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Whether whether it's a road or a building mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a water system or whatever, whatever it may be. Yes. Right? That yes. design dictates... Really, what you can do at any other point it's with so policy true. down the road, yes, and how that impacts other people and how that impacts the the whole of people's lives. Yeah,
0: I completely. Uh, obviously, you know, he was well. He he lived through several contentious area eras um, politically, but um, I had thought about that at the local level because I do think you can have a design revolution by changing your local politics yeah <laughs> i think they are yes they work together
1: <laughs> intricately tied yes uh that's phenomenal no so one of the one of the questions that i always kind of you know work to work to lead off with but obviously we're bucky themed here so it's uh there's there's no there's no um uh, there, there's no pointed uh question to start off with uh, but the um you know, I, I ask folks, you know, how did you come to be in Carbondale? But you've had multiple coming to and going from Carbondale stories. Multiple lives.
0: <laughs> I say I say that. Multiple lives. Um, so I came to Carbondale as an undergraduate. Um, we'll be vague about years just because. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: I'm
0: on board. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I came as an undergraduate because I was from – I'm from – a At that time, my family um, lived around St. Louis in Columbia, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And so that's an hour and a half away. And I figured, um, you know, Carbondale would still have that party image Mm -hmm. when I came. And I kind of liked that you mm-hmm. know that. there's nothing um, wrong with that, wrong like with that. that. I that's kinda, why a lot of
1: people are still here
0: i yes i wanted i wanted my college years to be fun and good i was a first generation student uh and i thought you know this is a place i can go where it's far enough away that i have to live there mm-hmm. but close enough that i can go home anytime i want yep. and so and of course i met quite a few people from chicago who were like i chose this because it's the farthest farthest i could get mm-hmm. and still be in state so um So, yeah, I came as an undergraduate student um, and, of course, you know, left because that's what you do. You come Mm -hmm. and you go. Uh, I went to Austin, Texas, uh, lived for a little while, um, may have partied a little too much, uh, (laughs) decided, just lived life, right, and decided, you know, Right before I left, I had been working in an office, the Office of Special Events and Projects, um, that at that time was the president and chancellor's domain,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which really, as an undergrad, I had no idea I was walking into that, and historically speaking, mm-hmm. I I look back now and think about the things I learned there and what I kind of had privy to as an undergraduate yeah. student, um, it connected to president chancellor's office. It was, it was wild anyway, but before I had left, um, the people I worked for were like, you know, I think cause they, they felt for me cause I was a theater major. Uh-huh. Right. And like, <laughs> um, you should think about grad school. And, uh, if you ever want to do that, you, you can come back and you have an assistantship. And so, um, I was like, no, I always say I'm like the accidental <laughs> academic,
2: uh-huh.
0: um, and I think that's car that kind of is tail a little bit in right. a way. It's completely changed my life, obviously, in some really positive ways, or or opened things up to me that that um, I don't think in any other scenario I I necessarily would have taken or gone to. And so after a little while in Austin, I was like, you know, um, I was waiting tables. And I'm like,
2: grad school might
0: not. <laughs> Be so bad. I was waiting tables and playing some music, but I'm like, I, I think I could just go back, and so uh, I went back, um, came back, and uh, got a master's degree in com studies. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, um, I went to Chicago and worked for the theater company that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was in a relate. I was married at the time and uh got pregnant and we decided with some influence from some other people um in Carbondale, you know, that maybe moving back wouldn't be a bad decision.
2: Yeah.
0: Um there were multiple people that I knew that were pregnant that were here, you know, at the (laughs) same time. We would be closer to family. There were a lot of reasons. And Mm so we ended up renting a place, sight unseen in Carbondale, but it was somebody we trusted and we moved back and uh I've been here ever since ah. so and and uh, did go to um, grad school again um, and am still I, I'm not actively working, but I will return to finish my PhD um, I got as far as my prelims and um, and
1: you know putting that on pause so I mean the <clears throat> the nice thing about schooling in the modern era is there's not a, there's not a time limit on yeah. it right that that everybody's kind of just come to this realization in higher education that it's a an, an ebb and flow and you educate as you as you experience through life yeah and, you know, yeah
0: and I um I saw the, that you know the academic side as a you know I was I had a child that was like two when I started which yeah. now I think about it, I'm like what were you thinking doing <laughs> starting a PhD program when your kid was 2? What? Yeah. She's 18 now. That's how long that's been. And so um yeah, I I had some things kind of as at the tail end um, had some things just life happening. And and that oddly enough though is what led me to it was time to leave, you know, graduate school for a while and yeah. that's when I started working for the dome. And it, so it, and I think too um, I had been in it for a while and just was, that also was that I was just thirsty for something else and it was another world. It was another mission and I took it on and, you know, did the best that I could.
1: So, so what was it like? I mean, it, so, cause you, John said on, on the previous episode, you guys had to raise matching funds for yeah. all of that.
0: Yeah. I'll never forget. So I'll never forget getting the news that we won and then, um, going and telling Bill Perk, who was at the library. He has a routine, that, and it includes the library, and we knew we'd find him there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it was great. It was a breakthrough moment, I feel. Um, but then there also was the matching funds, you know, um, aspect. And I remember when we went to the board, there was somebody at that meeting that was like, oh, but we like kind of like, yay, <laughs> yay, we won this. What do you mean we have to raise, you know, but it – I think that it um, it really it made it real in a way because what had happened was the dome home was under plastic for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was it was although people were active and I really do think now when I look historically, I think everybody was needed. Do you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. looks like things were stagnant, but Bucky has that this phrase respect gestation rates, and I feel like it was a gestation rate yeah. and. And one of the things I became aware of is, like, people were like, oh, well, that's been happening. It it was hard to talk people in to giving their money Mm -hmm. when they've just seen a dilapidated building for many years Mm -hmm. and not a lot of movement on it or around it or plans. There was no, like, there were plans being talked about, but nothing like, let's see them. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so at least, like, public view, it's down to the, you know, like this many inches and feet here. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I think that the grant really was a moment where it was like, oh, oh, we needed somebody else outside of us to believe in us. And then other people started um, taking note as well. And so, um,
1: yeah, (laughs) it's, it just kind of comes together. No, I, I, that, that, that'll scare people off a board. Real fast when, you know, a, a big number like that comes down the pipeline. And yes. Go, oh, uh, yes. Hey, boy, oh.
0: <laughs> and that and there was a whole mindset. I think that this is indicative of a lot of of um, nonprofits, and it's also why nonprofit leadership is a hard job, yep. and and um, raising money for a nonprofit is a hard job. Yeah. Um. Because you really have to get everybody on board. And I'm not, I am not—I won't lie and say there was resistance. Mm-hmm. There was some big resistance. And there were people on the board that were like, I'm not down for this. I'm not asking anybody for $5, you know. Because yeah. um, I, I remember even being at meetings going. Just one of the big thing was I was like, okay, so we need everybody here to mm-hmm. give. And, and there were people that were flat out like, not doing that. Like, yeah. I'm, I've gave this much time and years of my life to certain things. And I'm, you know, no. Um, so that was, you know, that was a transition time. Yeah. I like to say,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and it's, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with folks being like, Hey, this isn't for me in, in this way and shape. Right. It's just yeah. being able to, to know where you can move from. Yeah. Uh, right. And there's, yeah, no, I mean, you, you gotta, you just respect people's boundaries at, at that point. You say, okay, cool. Well, this is, this is the team that I have. This is the team that I move forward with. And, 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 yeah. And that's kind of that. And you will find people that, that join you along the way just as well. Cause I'm sure it's not like you just Completely. went out there and there weren't people that weren't, ha ah, let's do yes. this.
0: Yes. Oh, there. And that really is, was the game changer really yeah. was finding the right people that came along to do what was needed at the right time. Um, but I, everything that you're saying there, um, I learned it through this process yeah do you know what I mean yep. and at the time of course because I was so invested um, that I I ended up taking things personally sometimes you mm-hmm. know because well why wouldn't you get on board with everything yeah and now now I see the process really for what it is and you um, you know, I'm just delighted with the work that's been done. It's amazing. It's beautiful, yeah. and you know, people are people that it, that there's access to it. Um, you know, and I think now John probably talked about this. I'm not privy. You know, I'm not on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a working relationship with John uh, to some extent. You know, that is is good and positive, but you know, I don't get regular updates on yeah. everything. But I do I do know some of the vision was and is still, I'm imagining, for it to have an interpretive center,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, to have it to build other structures on top of this one that is, you know, it, it becomes um, the tourist site that people yep. will and have already made yep. the trek for just yep. to see, and so we want to make sure that they have other things to see, like Bucky's Haven, like mm-hmm. things on campus, um, and like the interpretive center um, that they can do when they get here.
1: Well, I can imagine somebody, right, if we're talking about Chicago specifically or any, you know, metro along the route here, shucks, you know, that's not to say that people wouldn't come up from New mm-hmm. Orleans to come see what's what's going on in Carbondale. It no, sounds Completely. crazy. The place that people travel to would have people travel from. But that's a real thing, right? You, Are you hop kidding? off the train. No. Come... Yeah. Go ahead, it's
0: no, it, it's true. Like that was one of the things I found, too. Um, when you're a development director, <laughs> you start. Actually, I had to, like, kind of um, check myself. You know, everybody becomes kind of about, like, what they can give, right? And all the searches that I did for people. I ended up finding out that one of the um, creators uh, of Twitter Mm -hmm. is a big bicyclist uh, and, you know, goes on these cross-country trips Mm -hmm. and is also a huge fan of Buckminster Fuller. Um, And that's also – you do find that in the tech world. uh, And a lot of worlds, really, where – underdogs have triumphed and changed things dramatically Mm -hmm. you'll find a lot of fuller fans in that that arena and so um you know i happened to find that out that he was you know a big fuller fan and had um biked through carbondale yeah and and i was like gosh that now that is a whole thing we're not tapping into um (laughs) as far as you know but but bike trails um the train everything really and it does become i think a a selling point.
1: Well, no, it's just the question of of you know identifying who's been through here mm-hmm. and going back to them, right? Yeah. For any and everything. I was yeah. on a podcast um, a couple days ago um, and and was talking to the the host about if they <coughs> if they themselves book Jim Belushi on their show because they've had like other famous comedians on the show and and you know was like okay, listen, if you get that connection. Point Jim Belushi back to Carbondale just for a minute. Just for a minute. I don't need him for a while. I just need him for a day or two. Right. Right. And those relationships are abound with this place. Yes. In a way that doesn't exist in your typical small town university, America, you know, or small. Yeah. It's, but I
0: do think that that, what you are tapping into, and I, I think too, when you were running for mayor, we talked about this and it was so refreshing to, for me um, because I, this is something I had been thinking about, like how we reposition Carbondale as the place to relocate yeah, oh yeah. or the place oh yeah. to be. Oh yeah. and, and what's happening right now is, um, you know, there are towns that have identified mm-hmm. that as a thing that's going to be happening yep. but also with the pandemic and people kind of emptying out of cities accelerated there are t- towns where that's accelerated and mm-hmm. there's whole um there's whole tracks on like TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. of people that have uh relocated mm-hmm. and like will compare what they were paying in their big city mm-hmm. to what they're paying now and what they get yep. and how much simpler and better life is and they're working remotely and they have all the money that they want to travel and do those things and be explorers when they want this is what i think carbondale is poised and ready and should just take the charge and, for. and
1: we're here here's the deal you know this is <laughs> this is one of those things where uh you know the the idea was was out there in the open before it was in everybody else's purview it's so just yeah. a lot of things like that in Carbon, but we're not necessarily the first to kick over with it. And that's okay. You don't have to be first to do it. So long as you just at some point in time, follow through. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I don't care how many, how many times I have to get up and yeah. stomp on this. Like, and I don't care if it's me that ends up falling through with it. The idea is that somebody's gotta done. do this shit, man. Yes, yes,
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my uh, gosh, that's, um, I was listening to something recently where somebody was, it was more in the entrepreneurial aspect but yeah. saying like a lot,
1: there's sometimes- On that Gary Vee TikTok, no, I'm just kidding.
0: No. <laughs> 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 it's addictive, isn't it? It's, so
1: it's awful.
0: Anyway. Um, this idea that sometimes I'll say if you're first you've lost yeah because it takes and and you can relate that to Bucky in a sense that he never experienced wild success in his life of Mm -hmm. course he was successfully traveled the world he got these ideas out he has all of these wonderful like artifacts and people that are inspired by him and doing the work Um, you know he was definitely a success but like a lot of his things and the things he was talking about did not take traction in his yeah. lifetime. Now is actually the moment when they're taking, they they make more sense than ever. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, it's a timing thing, definitely. But we, um, I really hope Carbondale can, can get on board with that. And really, I've been trying to think of all kinds of ways, you know, to market because I just think there is something to this being with like with climate change, with the carbon 60 and mm-hmm. the Fuller's influence on that and yeah. the Fullerene and, um, you know, solutions that can be um, that are being made around that, that there's something uh, to be um, done to reposition us as really a center for you know the change that's going to happen if you can do it here and and be a success it can happen anywhere
1: yeah oh, and if you can if you can make that adaptation in this space right you know there's there's all sorts of people that are that are involved in the in the ecological fight in southern illinois where where we have had this resource extraction and all of the all the pitfalls that come with that all of the all of the leaching of coal ash and and oil um, uh oil uh, derricks and and fracking and all of these things you know even Mm -hmm. even at the at the at the limited scale that they may occur in southern illinois Mm -hmm. coal not so much some of these other things you know definitely it's not a texas or a um, or a Wyoming or, or whoever's, mm-hmm. whoever's got the, the big shale fields right now. But um, you know, it, is, it is very accessible. It is very visible. Um, Mm -hmm. the, the effects of it are, are very clear, right? I I think of, I think of, uh, you know, a a cluster of rare cancer in like the West Frankfurt area where like kids are living with things that, you know, one in a hundred million people have, but there's five or six kids that have this in that space. Like these are very Mm -hmm. real things occurring in Southern Illinois. And I don't know where I, where I was coming from with the, (laughs) with my trailing off of thought here, other, other than to say that, uh, this, this fight exists here right yes. but also the the you know the the problem and the solution mm-hmm. exist here and they are constantly butting heads yes with one another uh and like this is this is the the uh you know how it's how it's playing out all over the world this is just as representative as anything that's going on anywhere else
0: it really is i think in some way it's ground zero for so many of those overlapping issues yeah even talking like geographically in our country you know um it's it's so I think Southern Illinois has been used as extraction zone, sacrifice zone, mm-hmm. uh, and that needs to be transformed, you know, on a major level to, I don't know, regenerative zone, <laughs> something. Just yeah. a, an example, um, you know, holding out. One of the things the university did recently, um, the chancellor, you know, spent a year listening, doing mm-hmm. listening circles and sessions. Uh, and from that, unexpectedly, Uh, He, you know, went back to crafting his plan um, for the university and came out with five pillars for the university to focus on. He did not expect for sustainability to be one of those pillars. Mm -hmm. But because of everything everybody was saying in those meetings and because of our really unique history at the university, Buckminster Fuller being like the start of it, really, to some extent, uh, leveraging that... And um, expanding it, and so sustainability is one of the five pillars of SIU yeah. now,
1: and I love I love that. I I, I was really appreciative. Um, you know, we we've had we've had Treasurer Ferrex in, in this building once before for uh, an event that, that he was kind enough to headline, and and then saw uh, today just on LinkedIn that um, Chancellor Lane was part of a uh, group of speakers, uh, you know, participating in programming with. Uh, the state treasurer's office for uh you know some some higher education funding uh things and it's like that that's it. Like yeah. that's how you continue to work to put this place back yes. on the map. And and that is that is that is a you know a a leadership that is bottom up has delivered to him yes. the ideas. That's his it, actions follow through on that, and then hopefully the people yeah. that are all throughout the university can commit to their own actions to yes. serve. I,
0: I just was excited about the sustainability, but I do think too um, there's something with the university and the town where um, we've been we've had a long spell of that's not possible. Yeah, no, can't happen. Yeah, and uh, we really need we need the, yes, it can happen. Not, not only, you know, not no, but how, right. And, and to make it happen and to see things as possible. That's another thing with Fuller. Fuller talked a lot about, uh, education, Mm -hmm. you know, and how children are born geniuses. Um, he would say, and the process of educating them in our country degeniuses them. Yeah. And, um, that children, if you let them Um, are just way smarter than we ever give them credit for and often have the solutions, Um, you know, and he, there was even a book that came out where that was nothing but a transcript of him spending a whole couple days um, with three middle schoolers Mm -hmm. um, that were chosen, you know, for that project. And I thought that was really, um, you know, because he never saw children as as lower than himself. Mm -hmm he saw them as equals in, in the, in the, you know, way of uh, thinking or creating solutions. Yeah. Um, I say that because I do think that's uh, kind of where we're at, where mm-hmm. I, 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 this might be controversial. I'm sorry if, if it is, but I do think Carbondale suffers from having a little bit of an old boys network Yeah. Um, that has not served the area at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. and we quit listening if, if if honestly if i was in charge here it would be mandatory that we have a student on city council like mm-hmm. all the time you know that we need to listen to the people to students to young people basically um that are residents here and they 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 know what they're talking about yeah. you know what
1: well, it means with with kids with with young folks in in general people would still look at me and go ah he's just a whippersnapper right it's like the (laughs) um the um their understanding of the world around him is is natural simply because they they take it from what nature cues them to right when Mm -hmm. i was talking to john about this on the um on on the on the previous episode I, i was talking about well the the architectural uh you know design of a fish and how Mm -hmm. that plays into the design of a vehicle right it's the same idea that like a kid can look at a tree and extrapolate things from that tree that you know a jaded adult (laughs) who's who's been forced to like think in a very narrow band uh may not observe the world so yeah to open up and to to take on you know kids and and the way that they think and feel Mm -hmm. and also to not you know uh I really appreciate this when, when talking to, to Chastity for episode 63, um, you know, about how, you know, as, as parents, uh, for them and, and I was in very much agreement with her, uh, that they, that they, uh, you know, have talked to their kids as if they were people their mm-hmm. entire lives. Yeah. Right. You just, you, you give them just as much of that yeah. bandwidth and, and they will absorb it as you're willing to offer.
0: Right. And then, then you don't have to I, – I remember this from a Fuller speech that I saw where he said a lot of his life has been spent actively trying to unlearn the things
2: mm-hmm. that
0: he learned the wrong way, like yeah. that were wrong, you know. Um, and so ideally we would have a system of parenting like Chastity is <laughs> <was> talking about <laughs> where it's like you don't, you, know, you don't have to unlearn certain things. We definitely don't give uh, young people enough credit. Yeah. You know, I, and I've seen I get especially because I work with young people. I, I, I sometimes think I have like the best job on campus because yeah. I get to work with amazing students um, and I I love it. And there I don't see a lot of apathy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it a lot of times the narrative seems to be that like young people don't care. And mm-hmm. of course, they're honor students, but um, they are very aware of what the world that they are inheriting and walking into. Yeah. And that also, I think, is the reason that sustainability is one of the pillars, right, mm-hmm. for SIU now, um, because I think that was the message over and over again, is if we're recruiting the best students, guess what the best students are working on? Solutions yeah. for climate change. I
1: had a Nelson Fernandez. Uh, on he uh, uh, does, he's not he doesn't have to be in your program as well. It sounds familiar, but he uh, might not be my. So minty. so he's um, that he's uh, le- been been part of the leadership of the crew that has installed the, oh, the yeah, turbine yeah, yeah. on the green roof. Yes. Um, so and, I do
0: have a few students that are in that project. Yes.
1: Um, and and it just it, it speaks to you know exactly like where where we're at like where where is leadership going to be. You know, yes. what, you know, what is going to inspire the people that will be, yes. you know, leadership 20 years from now, now, what is going to fuel their fire? Right. I would, I would love now that we're kind of talking through this and, and I've, you know, I have tried to figure out, well, what's my best way to, to reach out to, to students. And I think staying in connection with you on this and getting university yeah. honors folks to come in and, and do the podcast. Cause this is a really like a really comfortable space for folks to get just comfortable with the the interview dialogue right and after they leave here like it's been a good hour of like talking that they may or may not have experienced before in this kind of uh you know structure with a lack of structure right the yeah. structure of the media creation but the lack of structure in the free flow of questions where as people learn more about them they will have to disclose more in presentation of themselves just through the course of conversation and then having that documented and so on and so forth yeah right.
0: and we and with the more ideas that we um, can listen to and really take to heart yep. and try to implement you know the more students that will have flocking to to be here. Um, there was one student that I want to talk about that really left an impression on me and um, it's interesting because she ended up you know being influenced by fuller um, but she when the IPCC report came out mm-hmm. um, she printed that out and took it in her had it in her backpack at all times, tattered little copy. do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. and basically was like, how am I at a university where nobody's like freaking out about this mm-hmm. you know? Took it everywhere. Um, she ended up being really instrumental in getting the chancellor um, before Lane to mm-hmm. come, the interim chancellor, uh, John Jackson,
2: uh-huh.
0: um, to sign the second nature climate agreement. And so now, um, you know, that's, that's in the, the new chancellor's lap and uh, the need to, um, you know, create a climate action plan uh, to measure our carbon footprint. I just kind of think, you know, we're running from behind on some of these things, mm-hmm. uh, both SIU and Carbondale, but they're, they're things that, um, there's no reason that we can't get ahead of really quick. Yeah. We have the ingenuity to do it. We have the people that have the talent to do it. So let's do it.
1: Oh man. Well, you know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about this idea up until like you're, you're talking through this now. Um, you know what what if that what if that coal factory became a museum that addressed everything that led up to yes a, a sustainable revolution in energy yes. right like you know my my father was a coal miner and yeah. and I've come from a, a family of, of coal miners engineers and and grunts just the same and the um, the reality is there is an identity That's associated with energy creation yes. And the identity is, yes, of the coal miner. Yep. And there's there's nothing wrong with transitioning that and having that same level of pride mm-hmm. that people take in going underground and burrowing yes. up the earth yes. to provide electricity to the entire world. About taking that and transitioning mm-hmm. that identity and that pride mm-hmm. into the next stage, the next phase of what energy production is. Yes,
0: I am with you, yes and yes. I love the idea of having that be a museum because I do think we need to honor. Um, So the reason that we moved to Columbia, Illinois, was um, we were in Texas and my family was affected negatively by the um, oil crash there and eventually had to make the way to Illinois Mm -hmm. because he had gotten a job as a coal miner working third shift I will never forget we had to tiptoe
1: around oh my you know, that god kind of thing. yes oh somebody who <laughs> understands oh my god and swing shifts every two weeks yes. you never knew what you were allowed to do I was an only child with no neighbors grew up I in hit a an nerve oh. I see now <laughs> yes
0: it's I, no I will never forget that and um Ugh. it he he didn't he did it for a couple of years as a transition and then ended up owning a business and you know, being quite successful at that. But a real struggle there for a while as a coal miner, and so I know and have a deep respect for that. I'm never going to be dissing, you know what I mean, people that have that as a job because, quite frankly, it is, you know, still providing a yeah. lot of our energy not well there's a whole thing about the illinois coal etc but
1: um, <laughs> i had i had an argument with a politico friend of mine who's working on uh the darren bailey campaign um that uh i i like he tried to be like oh something something illinois coal. i was like dude we don't even use our coal i know in I illinois know. for illinois coal. like don't feed me this line of crap but
0: what we do <laughs> is we contribute what we use to make a prop the problem that we're trying to solve yep. much worse Yeah. And so um, I think that we need to honor that. We need to honor the the coal miners. We need to have a coal to soul program or coal to, you know, this this is actually (laughs) I didn't come on to kind of um, promote the, you know, um, bills to be passed, basically, Mm -hmm. for the CJA. And uh, I'm blanking on the new one that that was just through um,
1: CESSA. Yeah, just... Um, I've, been, I've gotten emails about them. Like basically, It's, it's, a, it's like yeah. a five-letter acronym as opposed to a four.
0: Yeah, advocating for that transition in an equitable, just way um, that makes us really special and doesn't leave anybody out because yeah. I think that's the thing that people are going to be afraid of, but also that link between generations, I think that's a little um, more fragile than we like to think mm-hmm. because I think... I've talked to coal miners who are like, I don't want my you know kids doing this yeah you know um they see that that transition needs to be made but we need to just make sure that it's going to something else i would love the fact that we could um you know the coal is doing exactly what it should be doing when it's in the ground it's sequestering carbon carbon there so let's like keep it there and pat ourselves on the back for doing that like and find another way it's it's really evolutionary in a way if you think about it with you know that poster i'm sure you've seen where it's like man from you know um the evolution of man or whatever it's Mm -hmm. like looking down to like looking to being upright i think yeah right that one too but i think of that with our energy transition Mm -hmm. it's like this focus on the ground, on dark, on, you know, going as far down as we can yeah. to like focusing on sun and wind and solutions. And it's completely an evolution of, um, thought and action.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, ah, that's so cool. I yeah. thank you for being like, uh, I, I just, I feel I, I ah, like it's, it's cool that I've, I've never, I don't really like talk to like coal miners, kids, Often, right? Like I'm not always like running across people who's like, yeah, da 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 da. So oh like, no, that's to somebody that understands the.
0: It's ingrained. It is there to stay, right? <laughs> and and just kind of that struggle. It yeah. was, um, you know, your life is built around that, obviously. And I remember that the metal lunchbox. Okay, yeah, we can have a whole um, thing there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, fifteen-ish years of that. That was my. Wow. That was my entire life wow. up until. My dad then went and taught at Wren Lake, taught coal mining. Now he's a mine inspector um, and, or at least was the last time I, remember, anyway, neither here nor I there. I couldn't imagine, the, <laughs>
0: 15, I have to say that that was so intense um, that just the few years that yeah. it was the family, you know, dynamic
1: that I, 15 years would be a
0: lot. Yeah, That's well, I mean, and you,
1: you, I mean, you hear about so Bob Murray of yeah. Murray Energy, who, yeah. was, who has since passed away, Yeah. rest his soul
0: died a millionaire <laughs>
1: um you know i remember like un- you know uncle bob the DuCoin state fair for the for the kermagee energy uh you know uh family picnic and whatever else and like to to years later see this dude just getting you know roasted by john yeah. oliver on hbo it yeah. was just like you know <laughs> yeah. six degrees of separation is guy, interesting. right
0: completely completely <laughs> and that's you know that's the the thing with fuller as well he identified um the climate change was happening you know yeah. it wasn't in the vernacular like it was but he saw this you know coming at a, a distance yeah definitely and was and knew those systems you know would have to change that we don't um you know we keep it it could be it's like a bank account keep it in there keep the coal in the ground yeah um, if we ever did need it, but it's hopefully literally your savings.
1: It's saving it's... you from all the carbon in the exactly. atmosphere. Exactly.
0: Oh my gosh, I had a moment once um, visiting Terry Bryant's office where we were, uh, I was obviously there advocating for a, you an know, um, energy bill of some kind You yeah. know, for renewables or I forget what. I've been to her office several times actually. Yeah. She was sitting she has her desk is right in front of this huge map of coal fields of southern Illinois. And there's this moment where she was like, But look at all this. We've got you know what I mean? And I'm like, but that's that's actually doing a great job <laughs> in the ground, like yeah. what it's supposed to be doing. <laughs>
1: like like look look at all these ways that we're absorbing carbon as a region. Yeah. We've we've done yeah. good for the earth by keeping it in the ground. Yeah,
0: I think I think this is a really important moment because we we get so resistant to change. Mm-hmm. I think some of the the argument against that transition is just against changing that dynamic yeah. of the family line and the family coal miner. Mm-hmm. And this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just the songs by, about it. Come oh, on. Yeah, it's you know, the, it's
1: the heroification of, yes. of, you know, the, yes. the American identities. There's uh, that, a whole that, myth
0: around it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a whole. Yes. Identity um that we can change that and give just as much you know um respect and grace and gratitude yep. to this new generation even maybe a little more because they're saving us yeah you know from that from a future that we don't want basically well, and,
1: and that's something that you that, that you want to pass down generation to generation they're, you know yeah it, that makes sense i mean i was i was always told as a kid you're not you're not doing this shit you're not going into the ground you're going to school and you're gonna go work and here i am just a uh you know just a just an office dweller at 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 best um but you know it it was it was you know part of that drive away from it like this isn't this doesn't need to be where you it's like if that is if that is the mindset that you know a family unit is willing to pass on to its children uh you know it may be that should be the mindset of the society passing on to its next generation. Yeah. Um, which which brings me back to the the, the thing that I'll kind of tie up the podcast with because I, I really uh, I really appreciated your um, your uh, discussion of of you know being drawn back to grad school by people that told you just come just come back here you've got a, you've got a spot this is open mm-hmm. for you and I and I've had that conversation with several other folks who are working on there. Uh, graduate degrees now in their mid 20s and that's exactly the line that they expressed that somebody here at this university saw them Mm -hmm. reached out and said be here right not as a sales pitch not as a you know wow we need you a good old siu but like Mm -hmm. we would like to nurture your talents yes yeah please be here i mean i think
0: that's obviously the Um, brilliance of education in general and that does happen at probably a lot of other universities Mm -hmm. but I feel I mean for me in my own personal story um, it is what is so special about SIU Uh, and and I work with students I'm so passionate about first generation students Mm -hmm. I was first generation student I actually had family members in that tried to talk me out of school. Wow! You know, as being something silly, you don't need to do that. <laughs> you know, work in the coal mine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they never said that for me because you know um, I'm a woman.
1: Kate Kate Heist, who is um, uh, very active with Women for Change and oh, does yeah. the the gardens and and yeah. and the sewing room and all that. She worked with my dad underground when she was pregnant with her daughter Jamie, who is a friend of mine. Um, she was, she was digging coal. I hand wow. to God. Toughest woman. That's intense. <laughs> That's intense. It's, it's, it's just cool yeah. to, to me to like have like, she yeah. God, just represents so much to me in, in that aspect. Just like her, the tenacity of it. I, I got to have her on the podcast too. So Definitely. So I not go off on a tangent Definitely. here. Definitely. Um. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, no, that, I, that, no, it nurtured, I did not, um, To be quite honest, so I said, you know, I knew Carbondale would be a lot of fun. I knew I needed to get away from Mm -hmm. my family. You know what I mean? I knew I needed to make my own way. College was just a great way to do that. Um, And even though I had to fight a little bit to get here, it seemed, you know, because it was something that nobody in my family had done, you know, before. And so... um, I was welcomed with open arms here, I was nurtured, and somebody saw in me that sense of like, you can continue, you can get, and quite frankly, I wouldn't be doing the job I'm doing now if I didn't have a graduate degree. Yeah. Uh, so it has been the game changer um, to just really see myself as, um, you know, in, in academia, you know, as an equal, as a, you know, peer, yeah that's great yeah
1: that's uh and uh to the peers out there uh watching uh this episode thanks for watching hope you take uh you know uh, something away from this same as same as i had there were several key words that i thought i was going to use for a really good transition mm-hmm. out and then i just forgot all of them as i switched cameras so you know what we're just going to go with episode 65 of the wtf carbondale podcast <laughs> have a good one folks whatever that one may be
2: thank you